welcome to everyone this evening, and if you're a guest tonight, we welcome you. We are glad to have you in service with us. Those that are joining us online, we welcome you a part of this service this evening as well. Pray that you're blessed by it wherever you may be. Would you stand? We read a couple of verses to get started here this evening on what I feel like the Lord has given me to share. We're going to go to Acts chapter 9 and begin reading with verse number 1. Acts chapter 9, verse number 1. If you haven't seen today, the uh, Antioch app is now up and available. And uh, I think it's on all platforms. Um, so if you haven't gotten that yet, it's going to be a great resource. Uh, one of the ways it's a great resource is when it comes to streaming and accessing pre- pre- uh, previous or archives. <laughs> um, all of that can be done directly through the app. Um, so um, if, you, if you didn't catch wind of that today, it's now available if you haven't done it already, I'd appreciate you not doing it right now since we're about to, you know, <laughs> but I would encourage you to do it. Um, amen. Praise God. Acts 9 and verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughtered against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. And he desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? In response to this, there's two questions that the Scripture says Paul asked. The first one, he said, Who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? The Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Lord, what will you have me to do? Father, thank you for the privilege of gathering together tonight with people of like precious faith. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. I know we can do that on our own, but I thank you for the times in which we come together and enter into your presence together. I thank you for that this evening. I pray, God, that you would speak to us tonight. I pray that your word would minister tonight, God. I don't want to just teach a lesson. I don't want to just say words to fill up time tonight. But I want to be a conduit through which your spirit can flow and speak. I yield myself to you tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm not going to take a lot of time on it. I think most of you have an understanding or a basic idea of why, but 
that first question Paul asked was extremely significant, especially the response he got. (laughs) He didn't just say, I am the Lord. He didn't just say, I am Jehovah. He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. The very one you are fighting against, Paul. The, The very one you are on the way to Damascus to persecute people for believing in. I am him. The significance and importance of that response and that revelation for Paul was huge in many ways. But to that response, to the Lord's response, Paul then asks another question. What would you have me to do? You see, when you get a glimpse of who he is, you ought to then ask him, what do you want me to do? When you get a, when you get a revelation of who he is, you need to get the revelation of who you are. Those of you that have been following it all this week, that's part of the context and topic of what Bishop has been ministering about each afternoon. Jesus said to the disciples, whom do men say that I am? They respond, you are the cry, or, Elias, Jeremiah, then he says, who do you say? Peter responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he tells Peter who Peter is. One of the biggest challenges I think most of us face is we don't really know who we are. Listen to a little bit of a good portion of Brother Barr's message. I didn't catch it live, but from last Thursday night, I was listening to some of it actually earlier today, and what a what a powerful message and how true it is that we can relate to those two different Peters, <laughs> Peter at Passover and Peter at Pentecost. But you 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 got to know he's got something for you to do. Romans 12 and 3, Paul says this, I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You think that stopped in Paul's day, you are grossly mistaken. There's a whole lot of folks that think a lot more of themselves than they ought to think. Every time I, I, I get tempted to think about I'm so special because God may speak through me, I remind myself um, when he needed to, he used a donkey. <laughs> Don't think of yourself higher than you ought to, but think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as the, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. I, I have a question. As, as we all know, it's, at least if you're several years old and up, you know this probably by now. There are, there are parts of our bodies that we can live without. There's organs that we can 
live without. But I got a question. How many of you voluntarily have given up a member of your body? Absolutely not. Because even if they're not necessary to sustain life, every member of the body, naturally speaking, has a purpose. And a body that is functioning without any members, without a member, whether it's a limb or an internal, an eye, ears, whatever, any body... That in a, any natural body that is functioning without a member is not functioning at full capacity. I'm afraid that there's a lot of times the body of Christ does not function at full capacity. Because we've got too many church members and not enough body members. said we got too many church members and not enough body members. You see, church members can take it or leave it. Church members fit everything into their convenience. Church members have church life revolve around their life. Body members, people that understand I am a part of the body of Christ, understand that the body of Christ is my first and foremost priority. I, I, we, we, God, family, ministry. God, family, ministry. I, I, I'm, I'm not getting it all. I'm not contradicting that. Church is not something we put down. And I don't mean, please, when I, when I say church, I don't mean a church service. I mean the church. And everything the church does to function as the church is not just some kind of extracurricular activity. I have not played racquetball since March, and I miss it. But you know what? My life is not necessarily less important or valuable. Your involvement in the kingdom is not like that. Why? Because every member... Every born-again person has become a member of the body of Christ. We, we, we talk about, we, we, we talk about a calling, a calling. There are people in, I'm, I'm not gonna do that, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pull a bishop on you and ask you a trick question. If, if I, if I were to ask right now, how many of you in this place this evening, you feel like you're called to preach. We, I'm pretty sure we get some hands, especially if we included those that are already preachers. <laughs> People that aren't yet preachers. How many of you feel like you're called to preach? Well, the problem is not everybody's called to preach. In fact, a small percentage. And we, I think we've made the idea of being called this selective group of, this, this, this exclusive thing. Can I tell you tonight, you want to know who's called? Every person who has been born again is called. 
You may not be called to stand behind a pulpit and preach, but you are called. You may not be called to be a missionary someplace, but you are called. You may not be called to be an evangelist like Brother Hurt and others, but every individual is called. Because when you get an idea of who he is, you should ask him, what does he want you to do? Discipleship is not an option. Discipleship is not an option. Well, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know if I just, I don't really know if I feel like growing right now. And, and here's the problem. I I I uh I, I still have my membership to the Severna Park Racquetball Club. I haven't gotten rid of it because I'm hoping to start back up here at some point soon playing. I enjoy playing. I my competitive juices are alive and well. I haven't I haven't stepped foot in the Severna Park Racquetball Club since early March, I guess it would have been. But I am just as much a member there today as I was then because every single month they're deducting money from my credit card. And that makes me a member. Doesn't mean I'm benefiting from it. Doesn't doesn't mean my life is being impacted by what's there. But I'm a member I'm sorry to tell you tonight, your tithes are not your membership dues. I'm a disciple because I paid my dues. No, you're a disciple because you are in an active, growing, developing relationship with Jesus Christ. You are a disciple because you are denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Him. You are a disciple because you're getting your nose in the Word of God and you're digging deeper. You're a disciple because you've got your own prayer life on a regular basis, not just a prayer meeting or just a gathering together of the body. I, I, I'm just, I, I know it's Thursday night. I know I haven't taught or preached in forever and I ought to be just positive Peter and sweet and loving. I'm loving. Not maybe, maybe, uh, what is it? Not hard love. What's, I don't know. Tough love, yeah. That, that, that table, that sign back there doesn't, isn't intended to represent a, 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 um, a component of the church. Oh, we have this great thing called grow and this, no, no, no. That's intended to simply be a pattern and a pro, or a, a pathway to those that have made up their mind. I am a disciple. And as a disciple, I want to be developing and growing. And it doesn't happen by osmosis. Here's the thing. First, Second Peter 1 and 4 says this. 
whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. When you were born again, you became a partaker of the divine nature. That's one of the things that separates Christianity from other religions of the world. I, I think I could say all other religions. No other religion is about the founder of, or, 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 or the primary person living inside of you. Christianity is about the main person, His Spirit living inside of me, and I become a partaker of the divine nature. Listen to what the Bible exposition commentary says about this idea of the divine nature. When the sinner believes on Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to impart the life and nature of God within. A baby shares the nature of its parents. And a person born of God shares the divine nature of God. The lost sinner is dead, but the Christian is alive because he shares the divine nature. The lost sinner is decaying because of his corrupt nature, but the Christian can experience a dynamic life of godliness because he has God's divine nature within. Mankind is under the bondage of corruption, but the believer shares the freedom and growth that is a part of possessing the divine nature. Now listen to this. Nature determines appetite. The pig wants slop and the dog will even eat its own vomit. But the sheep desires green pastures. Nature determines appetite. What are you eating? What are you eat? Whatever you're eating figuratively, spiritually, is showing what nature is most at work in you. Because I'm, if I'm eating from the slop and from the vomit, I'm demonstrating I'm not, I don't have the nature of Christ working in me. Nature also determines behavior. An eagle flies because it has an eagle's nature. And a dolphin swims because that is the nature of the dolphin. Nature determines environment. Squirrels climb trees, moles burrow underground, and trout swim in the water. Nature also determines association. Eons travel in pride, sheep in flocks, and fish in schools. Nature determines association. The nature at work in you determines who you're hanging out with. Whatever nature is most at work is determined by those, is affected by those you are. Are you, what kind of, what kind of pack are you running in? I've been blessed with some really great friends throughout my life, especially my adult years. You know what? There's, there's, there's most of them I, I would consider to be, and this is, this is the 1980s word that I still hold on to, whatever it is now, I don't know, but. I, I think they're pretty cool. But I, I don't have one friend that I that I that I have chosen over the cool factor. 
Because there's some things that are way more important to me than how cool you are. I want to know where you're going. I want to know what you love. I want to know what you're fellowshipping with. Because when I open myself up to you, when I open my spirit to you, whatever's going on in you is a good chance it's going to go on in me. I'm supposed to love everybody, but I don't have to spend time with everybody. I'm supposed to love everybody, but I don't have to become intimate friends with everybody. Because the people I'm going to be the closest to are going to be people whose nature is also allowing the nature of Christ to dictate who they are and how they're living and where they're going. Because that's what I want working in my life. If nature determines appetite and we have God's nature within, then we ought to have an appetite for that which is pure and holy. Our behavior ought to be like that of the Father and we ought to live in the kind of spiritual environment that is suited to our nature. We ought to associate with that which is true to our nature. The only normal fruit-bearing life for the child of God is a godly life. I've I've now, I think, experienced, I've, I've now proven, I think, my hypothesis. I've said it many times before in various ways. But it's 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 sort of discouraged me through the years, especially of playing racquetball in those days when I played it regularly three mornings a week. <laughs> discouraged me to see guys that were there every day I was there exercising. We're not I don't mean just playing racquetball. They were in the weight room, they were on the they were on the uh cardio machines. And they're walking around with big old bellies. I'm like, man, what in the world? I'm, I see these guys every day, three days a week. They're wor- I, man, they're pouring sweat. They're working. They're exercising. But, but their physique doesn't show it. And I, I, I've... Again, prior to COVID, I, I played racquetball regularly, and and I, I went to the Y uh, regularly, <laughs> and my weight stayed the same. In fact, it crept up. I'd go, I I I'd, I'd go, and man, the last I don't know month or two before COVID, I had gotten these workouts from. From Sister Madison Lenningcamp, man, I, I mean, I'm, I'm working, I'm hurting. And I get on the scale the next day and same thing. Go eat another bowl of ice cream, go back to the Y the next day. Drink my cup of coffee the way I like to drink it every morning. But a funny thing happened a couple of months ago. Started doing Weight Watchers the beginning of July. And since the beginning of July, I've, I've, I've lost several pounds. I'll, I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is in that same amount of time that I've lost that weight, my amount of exercise has been very minimal. 
In fact, it hasn't really been anything. I mean, we walked, I walked a lot of times the last couple of months. We've got about a two-mile loop in our neighborhood. I've walked that numerous times. But other, other than that, I get on the scale. Man, I like this. <laughs> Keeps going down. Why? Because I changed what I was eating. Some of you are struggling in your walk with God right now greatly because of your diet. Because all you're doing like I used to do. Now I got to get the exercise part down. (laughs) But your church attendance, your oikos association, your life course, your attending a prayer meeting is at the very best, bringing a balance. At the very best, it's just bringing a balance. The bottom line is, it's probably not bringing a balance because the carnal things you're eating are probably overpowering the spiritual. And so all you're doing is surviving. You, you, you've, you've, you've got a nature in you. John said, First John uh, 3, I think it is. John says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. If I will do my part to properly position myself and, and have the right spiritual diet, there is something on the inside of me that is powerful enough to transform me into what it is God intended for me to be. But I can't allow all kinds of things from this world to combat that nature. Oh, Jesus. I, 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 can't, I, I can't just... Solomon, I, I don't remember the first time I heard this verse. And I don't remember when it started. I think it was in my teenage years. It's one of those verses I quote all the time and... Still lack the exact reference. <laughs> but Solomon says, Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because out of it are the issues of life. Guard. Protect. What's the two ways stuff gets in our heart? Eyes and our ears. Our eyes and our ears. And so Solomon said, you gotta guard your heart because whatever gets into your heart is going to cause, it's going to influence what you do. It's going to determine how you live. And I, 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 I'm, I'm, I've been deeply disturbed. I, 
sometimes I I, I, I want to just be an ostrich and just stick my head in the sand and be naive and ignorant. <laughs> I, I, I've caught wind recently a couple of different situations and settings where where and I, I know I'm hoping this is somebody's skewed perspective. I'm, I'm hoping this is someone's skewed perspective. I really hope it's not actually accurate and true. But but that perspective is is that 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 us, not talking about the world, us. That many of us we, we don't really all that concerned about what we watch. As far as the content and the language. Surely that's a skewed inaccurate perception. Surely it is. If you as a Holy Ghost filled child of God can sit down and watch a movie or a video with all kind of ungodliness going on in it and not feel, at least feel a check. You may not get up and turn it off, but at least please tell me you feel something. Do you know how we got to where we are today with all of the things we accept now? You know why homosexuality is so commonly accepted now? Watch the history of television and movies. Takes just a little simple research to follow the pattern of when they first, the very first time there was any kind of a, a gay couple that was even, they were just momentarily shown. You watch as the decades go by to the point we started having shows that the primary characters of that shows revolved around somebody who was, who was gay. I'm not here tonight against people that are gay. I am against the sin. God loves the sinner and hates the sin. And now, and you know what? Truth be told, I know it's Thursday night. And this is the sort of the cream of the crop. But truth be told, there are those of us sitting here that are less bothered by that now than we used to be. Because we've gone, become very familiar by the stuff that we allow into our spirits. I'm not, I'm not one to, at least I don't feel like I'm one to over-spiritualize things. I don't know if that's really possible, but. I, I don't know whether the people themselves in Hollywood have agendas. They probably do. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just kind of being kind of nice, okay? <laughs> and some of you are like, what do you mean, probably? <laughs> but you know what? Really, that's irrelevant. Because all they are is the pawns. All they are is the pawns of the kingdom of darkness that knows. I, I, I wish I could remember. There's a statement I've heard once, but uh, and, and I wish I could remember it because it's such a perfect uh, uh, summary of this. And, and but it's along the lines of whatever you will, whatever you will become comfortable laughing at, you will eventually become comfortable with. The bottom line, folks, it doesn't just, because you know what? Chances are, very high likelihood, all of you sitting in this room tonight are never going to just, never going to fall into same sex sins. 
the bottom line is fornication is sin. Adultery is sin. And there's a lot of other things that are sin that we are vulnerable to. And the more we allow them freely into our spirits, at the very least, the more we begin to condone, if not eventually reach the point of embracing. But I've, I've got this nature that's so contrary. There is this nature in me that if I will just provide the environment for that nature to do its work, then the divine nature is going to produce in and through me. Jesus told, tells the disciples, be careful how you hear. And then he tells them this parable that 99% of the time I've heard this parable throughout my life, it's always used in the context of reaching the lost. Jesus talks about four kinds of ground. There's the wayside, the stony, the thorny, and the good ground. I can't remember those second and third are in the right order or not. But I've, What? You know, there's only one out of four hearts that are good ground. Wait a minute. Who was who did Jesus tell? Be careful how you hear. He wasn't telling the multitude that day. Be careful how you hear. He was talking to his disciples and said to his followers, you need to be careful how you hear. And then he goes on to tell them about these four types of ground, because those four types of ground is not it. I'm not saying it does. In fact, I do believe there's an application to the sinner. But the primary application of those four kinds of grounds is you and I. And you and I have the potential of being any one of those four kinds of ground. Because the bottom line is the three types of negative ground, with some effort and work, you can turn them into good ground. The wayside ground that's been packed down from all the travel and foot foot travel on it can be plowed and can be broken up the thorny ground can be weeded and weeds pull out the stony ground is anybody ever been to new england and seen what you can do with stony ground they've turned them into beautiful fences and i believe you and i have a have a we we need to be consciously aware on a regular basis what what kind of ground am i what kind of ground am i am i the kind of ground that when the seed of the word of god goes forth whether that's in preaching or teaching or or or, or in a in a life course or in some other kind of setting or you're just your own personal study and devotion and time with god that when that seed gets planted is it going to have the most Chance producing. If the divine nature is at work, you can trust the power of the divine nature to produce, but you can't be conflict, conflicting it, battling it constantly. 
with flesh and carnality and worldliness. Philippians 3, verse number 7. Paul says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, that the righteousness, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, that I may know. That ought to be the heart cry of every believer. That I may know Him. And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Not just all the good things. Not just all the exciting things. Not just all the, the hype. But the fellowship of His suffering as well. Being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, now I, want you to, I want you to listen to these next couple of verses. This is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. I don't know what your opinion is. And bottom line, it would only be opinion. And, 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 and really, it's not even something we should be trying to figure out anyway. But strip, strictly from a human standpoint, if, if, I was going to, if I was going to list the, you know, the top five most important people in the Bible. I think my list would start, obviously, hopefully all of our lists would start with the same first one. Because <laughs> the most important person in the Bible is a given. <laughs> but I think my list would be Jesus, Paul. Just opinion. Paul, because, I mean, Paul, the, the, the one used to write major part of the New Testament. Paul, a man that I think you could say received revelations from God unlike any revelations anybody else has ever received. I mean, we, you, you, could, you could preach for decades and decades, teach for decades and decades on the things in the epistles and not even come close to exhausting what's there. If anybody besides Jesus had attained to uh, as close to what you could be as a human, I think Paul was the one. Not saying he was perfect. In fact, based on some of the things he says, we know he wasn't perfect, which is very encouraging. If Paul at number two and my number two, if Paul says the things that I should do, I don't do. And the things that I shouldn't do, I find myself. If Paul says he struggled with that, there's hope for me. So listen, listen to what he says. Not as though this this is I don't I don't know what the sequence is offhand of the of the chronological order of the uh, of Paul's epistles. You can find that with a little bit of research, and I've done that in the past. I I don't remember, but but I I don't think 
Philippians was written at the very beginning of Paul's ministry. There, there was some time, there was some, there was some travels, there were some major things that have already occurred. There were, there were numerous lives that had already been impacted by Paul's ministry. And listen to what he says, not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I might apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I, I would, that word apprehend essentially means arrest. He was arrested on the road to Damascus. God arrested him. But Paul says, I now want to arrest what I was arrested for. I got a question. How are you going after what God apprehended you for? How are you pursuing what you were apprehended for? And as I've already said, if you're born again, that means you've got a call. That means you are apprehended. Are you apprehending? Are you pursuing what God pursued you for? And listen to the way Paul says he does that. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I, I press. You cannot apprehend without pressing. Are still with me? You cannot apprehend without pressing. You will not apprehend. You will not become everything God intends for you to be with a lackadaisical attitude that's just going along for the ride. With an attitude that says, you know, I'm just going to take whatever comes. There's got to be a pressing. There's got to be a pushing. There's got to be something that says there is a mark. I may not know exactly what it is. I may not know the details of everything God's called me to, but there's something God's called and I'm going to press. I'm not going to let any circumstances. I'm not going to let any individual. I'm not going to let my struggles cause me to not press. I'm going to strive to apprehend what I was apprehended for. I feel like the Lord dropped this into my spirit this afternoon. When it comes to nature... When it comes to nature, we are creationists. Meaning, when it comes to nature, we believe God created the heaven and the earth. This thing didn't get here by accident. However, when it comes to spiritual, to the spiritual, many of us are evolutionists. Say that again. When it comes to the natural, many of us, most of us, hopefully all of us are creationists. God said, and it was so. God said, let there be light, and there was light. But when it comes to our spiritual life, we're evolutionists. Meaning, everything's just going to evolve into something better. 
You can just go lackadaisically through your life and you are going to become the person God called not happening. Not happening. I, I saw I saw a meme a couple of days ago for those of you older folks that don't know what a meme is. Uh, it's basically a picture with writing on it. And and the 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 it was it was a picture of two dogs and the dog on the top was a really skinny dog and it said me after 3 months of dieting and the bottom picture was a really fat dog and it said me after 3 days of cheating <laughs> folks God was so kind to us to fill nature, to fill natural things with living examples of spiritual principles. <laughs> it, it boggles my mind and I, I feel like I've only scratched the surface of, of, of the things in Scripture that are that are God-given examples, things that God did in nature to help us understand spiritual principles. One of those frustrates me to no end is that I don't have to, I don't have to do one single thing in my yard. I don't have to put one single bit of effort into my yard to getting all kinds of weeds growing. A couple of weeks ago, I spent basically an entire day dethatching my entire lawn, raking it, bagging it, seeding it, watering it for 10 days in a row to finally get some little sprouts. As in the middle of all of that stuff's popping up that I don't want. Said it before. There, there's, there, there's. If you're, if you're facing our house, the left side of the the property, there's a fence between us and the neighbors, and 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 there was obviously at some point in time there was some absolutely beautiful shrubbery along that entire fence line, azaleas and and I think hydrangeas and I, I don't know what else. The problem is it sat. And nobody took care of it. And now most of it's overgrown with vines and some of it, the vines are, there's, there's some of the vines that are still, they're, they're still, uh, 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 new enough you can pull them right out, but, but there's some vines that are so intertwined. They are so wrapped up. You can't get them out. All you can do is cut the bottom and cut off the life so they don't keep growing, but you can't pull them out because to pull them and get to detach them from the bush would end up probably killing the bush. So there's some of them, they're there. But they got this stuff. I'll tell you something, folks. When it's just a sprout, it's a really good time to deal with it. 
when all it is is a sprout that's starting to come up, that's a great moment to deal with it. But the longer you let it ride, the longer you let it go undealt with, the more difficult it becomes to deal with. All you got to do is nothing. Don't press. Don't push. Don't strive to apprehend what you were apprehended for. And guess what? Stuff is going to get overgrown. Choke the spiritual life out of you. Second Peter 1 and 8 says this, For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These things Peter's talking about there is faith, virtue, knowledge, patience, temperance, brotherly kindness, charity. If those things are in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind. And cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather brethren. Wherefore the rather brethren. Give diligence. Give diligence. To make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Give all diligence. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you sitting here this evening, you just, you don't really know what you're called to. You don't, you don't really know. I got a question. How many days have you fasted? What kind of time, seasons of prayer have you put in? Oh, what are you saying? I got to earn it? No, I'm saying you got to be hungry for it. I'm not saying you got to do something to deserve it and earn it, but you got to demonstrate, God, I, if you got something for me, I want to know what it is. I'm telling there are people sitting here right now. Some of you may be struggling with the fact believing you're actually called. If you're saved, you're called. <laughs> We're not all called to the same things. I, I, I hope I hope at some point in the near future to get to, to teach on something a little bit, at least for one night. But but I, I, I've been amazed in the last couple of months or so as I whether it's my own whether it's reading of the scripture or some of the books I, I've been reading a book uh there's a, there's an author by the name of F.B. Meyer, and he's got a series of books where it's different characters in the Bible, and he writes about them, writes, it's not necessarily a the biography per se, but, and I've been reading Paul's story, or the, the book Paul. And, and, and we talk about Paul, and, and Paul obviously, as I've already said, hugely important. I mean, Wow. But you know what? Go, go read. Go if you ha- if you haven't done it lately. Encourage you to do this a couple of months ago. If you still hadn't, I'd encourage you to still do it. Go read through the Book of Acts. 
But then read through some of Paul's epistles and read people, names of people that never wrote an epistle, never stood in front of a crowd and preached a message. But Paul says, I, I, I want to thank them and I'm thinking about them and who, who were those people? It was people who were hospitable to Paul. It was people who were supportive of Paul. It was people that were willing to do what God had called them to do so that Paul could do what God called Paul to do. If God's called you to be a Paul, be a Paul. But if God's called you to be a Priscilla and an Aquila, be that as well. It's okay. Success is not everybody being the same thing. Success is everybody being what God has called them to be. I don't know if I've ever said this publicly. I've said it in some settings, some leadership settings. But I I feel like we went through a phase where at Antioch, the only way, especially as a man, the only way that you could be really considered a, a success at Antioch was to be a daughter work leader. Nobody ever did that. Nobody ever tried to make. But that was, a, in my opinion, that was a mindset that developed. And people who had served in some roles of ministry and done a great job tried to become something God didn't call them to be. My, my wife was listening. I don't know if it was a podcast or what. A couple of weeks ago when we were driving up to Pennsylvania for my father-in-law's church dedication. And and uh, I think it may have been a video on, she was playing, but I was I was listening and and and, and the guy was talking about uh, how, how that uh, you know when when somebody does a good job in, in the workplace, somebody does a good job that and and they do their job well, you you automatically peg them to be the manager, the next manager. Part of the point he was making was just because you're good at doing your job doesn't mean you're good at managing others. And so people who are great on this level get moved to this level and they don't do good here because they don't have the giftings and abilities. Success is not you moving up the ladder, the spiritual hierarchical ladder at Antioch Central. That's not success. Success is who did God call you to be? And are you pressing toward being who God called you to be? But you were apprehended. God believed in you enough to apprehend you. Do you believe in God enough to apprehend what you were apprehended for? Give all diligence, give all diligence to make your calling an election sure. Because if you do these things, you're never going to fall. Listen to what the Lord says to Joshua in Joshua 1, verse number 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their, unto their fathers to give them. 
Be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. You know what was happening here? God was helping Joshua make his calling and election sure. The same author, F.B. Meyer, I don't remember which book it was out of, but I was reading one of his books and I've had this quote, in fact I typed it up on a little small piece of paper and it was taped to my computer monitor for years and years and years and a couple of Christmases ago Esther took that saying and a picture I had taken of a sunset and and gave it to me as a Christmas gift and it's now when I walk out of my office it's on the right side of my door. I don't read it every time I go out the door, but it is subconsciously a reminder to me. And and he says this, the supreme inquiry for each of us when summoned to a new work is not whether we possess sufficient strength or qualification for it, but if we have been called to it of God. And when it, and when that is so, there is no further call, no further reason for anxiety. I'm, I'm gonna read that again. I know y'all wanted me to, so I'm just. The supreme inquiry for each of us when summoned to a new work is not whether we possess sufficient strength or qualification for it, but if we have been called to it of God, and when that is so, there is no further reason for anxiety. When you settle your call. I've been called. I've been called. I've been chosen by God. I've got something, I, I don't say it every day, but I try to say it several times a week at some point throughout a day. And, and, and I, I just something just kind of started one time, but I, I, I just say, I am called, I'm chosen, and I'm anointed. I don't feel called, chosen, and anointed every day. But I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm anointed. And if that's the case, there's no reason to fear. Joshua, yeah, there's a lot of giants in that land, but I called you. That's all you need. I called you. But God, I'm not capable. I know that, but I called you. I called you knowing you're not capable, but knowing I was capable to do through you what needed to be done. Last passage, James 1.22. I, I, I want you to notice something here. Some of you probably can pretty much quote these verses by, by memory. But be ye doers of the word... And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Now watch watch this. Verse 22 says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. I want you to watch the change that happens in verse 25. 
But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continuing therein, he not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the... What's that word? A doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. But then he says, be doers of the work. Because to be a doer of the word is work. I'm not evolving by default into what God has called me to be. I am not evolving into what I was apprehended for. If I am becoming what I was apprehended for, I am pressing for that thing. You know what, I, um, there's many examples. The one that comes to mind first, an example of what it means to apprehend what you were apprehended for, reminds me, Brother Grossbach shared this in one of our meetings the last couple of years. I had never heard this. I, I didn't know this or remember this or whatever. But he shared that in his preparation to go to Africa, he was working at the church. was working full-time at the church. And in order to train to get his pilot's license, got a second job as a night guard and would work all night Saturday night. I think take a brief nap. Anybody remember? Maybe take a brief nap. And then go to church. Not just go to church, but go on time. Contribute. Bring people with him. I, I, I don't know the story. I would be really surprised. I would be really, really shocked. Maybe this happened. I have no idea. But I would be extremely surprised that if Brother Grossbach would have been, went to Bishop Wright and said, Hey, you know, Bishop, I, I really feel like I'm supposed to get my pilot's license to prepare for when I went to Africa. Any chance you think the church could help me with that? There's a really good chance. The history we've got with some things like that, there's a really good chance. I, I'm assuming he never even asked. I'm assuming he just decided... This is a part of my calling, and I need to pursue this. And so I am going to press. I'm really, I'm not, I'm not intentionally trying to be unkind this tonight. I got to tell you, I, I, I am, I'm. I, 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 there's a bunch of things I've been concerned about, <laughs> but I tell you another thing I'm concerned about. There's a lot of us that talk a really, really good talk. We say the right things. I'm, t- I'm, not, I'm talking about when it comes to your ministry and your calling. I'm not talking about whatever else. You talk, you talk the right talk. Oh yeah, I really, I, I wanna, I want God to, I really wanna, I wanna be a part of the kingdom, right? I really wanna be a part of ministry. What are you doing? 
don't know. Well, I'm waiting on God to... I'm waiting on God to... You're waiting on what God to what? Every time you speak in tongues, that is a witness. You're not waiting on God. Oh, I know timing. I know all of that. I, I, I get that. Sometimes the timing is God's waiting to see what kind of hunger do you have? What kind of desire do you have? Are you simply going to just try to evolve into what I want you to be or will you purposefully pursue it? I don't see him here tonight. I probably would still tell the same thing if he was here, but but uh, Brother Jacob K, right, K? Wow, what a guy. He had only been, he had just been coming a couple of weeks. I think just a couple of weeks, and he was ha- he was having to go out of town for a a uh, a wedding, and he calls brother you at like seven a.m. on a Sunday morning. Hey, I, can you do a Bible study with me while I drive? You know what that is? That is apprehending what you were apprehended for. That is going after what God has gone after you for. Man, I'm getting a lot of break blank stares. I'm just assuming you're all just listening and soaking it in. There's a lot of things I want. I said this several years ago. I got a, I, 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 one of those regrets. I, I took piano lessons and I took trumpet lessons when I was Young, I took piano lessons again as an adult. I still have my trumpet. And a couple of years ago, came one of my boys, I think, came across it. And I thought, you know what? I, 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 I'm going to do something new. You can teach an old dog new tricks. And you know what I've been saying for probably four or five years now? I want to learn how to play the trumpet. Guess what? I don't know how to play the trumpet. And I haven't even done anything about it. But I'll tell you, I want to. How many years are you going to sit around saying what you want to be? How many, how long are you going to sit around saying what you want God to do? What you want to become? At what point is something going to stir up with inside of you? Like the woman with the issue of blood who says, if I can just get to Him, I can get what I need. And no matter what the obstacles are, no matter what the challenges are, He's got what I need. I'm called. I don't know what I'm called to at this point, but the one who calls me knows what He called me to. And if I can just get myself properly positioned and pursuing that, I can find out what that is. The Bible says of Samson, I believe there's a couple of times in scriptures where this is said about Samson. When Samson was facing some of his challenges, facing some of the battles that he had to fight, the Bible says Samson shook himself. Samson shook himself. 
and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Samson did the shaking. God didn't do the shaking. Samson had to shake himself. But when he shook himself, God responded. Can I say to you this, some folks here tonight, it is time in God's timing for you to shake yourself, for you to decide, you know what? There's something I was apprehended for. There is a purpose. There is a plan. And I refuse to go another day without pursuing it with everything I've got. Uh, some of you are probably going to get offended by what I'm about to say. And if that's the case, you need to pray. Your problem, not mine. Several years ago, I don't remember years ago now, was it we introduced the AML process, Antioch Ministerial License. Man, we, we, we published it, told everybody what it was, and we had this flood. Flood of interest. Sign me up. We did numerous interviews. Enrolling people in the process. I'd be, I don't know if 50%. I don't know if 50% of those that met with us and we gave approval for that process finished it. Of course, while that was all going on, there were two guys, Brother Valentino Owens and Brother Adam Lowenheim. Adult men, families, careers, jobs, livelihood, that in less than a year's time completed the entire process. Why? Because somebody said, I'm going to press. I'm going to press. I'm going to press. I'm going to press. I was apprehended by God for something, and I refuse to not apprehend what I was apprehended for. We're in the last day, folks. And the greatest things God's ever done in the history of the world are going to take place in the last days. The greatest move of God that this world has ever seen is going to take place before Jesus comes. All of history, including Bible days, the greatest work God has to do is yet to happen. And it's going to happen before the rapture takes place. But do you think the key players on the field are going to be the guys that show up late to practice? The guys that aren't studying to learn and know. Professional football player. I don't, I don't think, I don't know if all sports do it this way, but football, I know, man, they, especially on a college and professional level, man, they watch game tape. They break it down. Quarterbacks will spend hours and hours and hours a week during the season watching films and, and preparing and, and getting themselves ready and making sure they know the plays and making sure they know what's... And we think, I can give God my spare time. I can give God what's left over and He is going to unleash all of the treasures of heaven into my life. No way. No way. If you came tonight for a pick-me-up, go home and get on the Internet. I'm sure you can find it. They're, it's full of it nowadays. You can find the most positive, uplifting message you want. 
and go eat it. Because you know what it is? Whipped cream. A lot of fluff, good flavor, but no substance. I'm not trying to say that I'm substance or that this is substance. But I think it is. <laughs> I want you to just I'm 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 quit. Would you just before we wrap up and dismiss? Like, why don't you? I want would you bow your head for a moment, close your eyes if you would. Before you before you get up, before you get distracted, before you start thinking about who you need to talk to, who you want to greet, or getting home to get to bed because of work, whatever. Before all that stuff starts, right there where you are, you and Jesus, would you just do a little self-evaluation? With what intensity am I pursuing what God pursued me for? With what intensity am I pressing towards what the mark and the calling is for me what what what's the what's the effort and the am i being a doer of the work am i being a doer of the work and it is work again it's not work in the sense of earning and deserving but it's it's work in the sense of the preparation and the and the process that it takes for us to get to where god wants us to go How well, how free, how free is that divine nature able to work in your life right now? What, what, what's the opposition right now in your life to the divine nature? Is the divine nature at liberty in your life right now to produce everything God wants? Or, or are you like the guys going to the gym and you get your exercise in, but the rest of the time you don't eat healthy. You put all kind of junk into your system. And so again, at the very least, you just simply have a little bit of a balance. Help us tonight, Father. You, you've apprehended us. You've apprehended us for something that no matter what we are called to individually, the bottom line is for every one of us, whatever you've called us to is far greater, far, far, far bigger than anything we're worthy of or deserve. Your calling is the most important thing we could pursue in our lives. More than a career, more than an education, more than a lifestyle, more than a standard of living. Becoming who it is you called us to be. Pressing toward that. Striving to become that. I pray God that you would stir within us tonight a hunger. You would stir within us God a hunger. A hunger. I pray God for every person that may be sitting here this evening. Or those that are watching online. Or will watch in the future. Those that sit and perhaps do not feel like they know what their calling is right now. Put within them, God, a passion and a desire to find out from you, God. To not be content, to not be satisfied until they've been given direction. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, there's not one member of your body. There's not one member of this body that is an excess member. 
Every member, God, has been brought to the body for a purpose. Every member has a ministry. Every member has a call. A God-given call. No, it's not the same thing. It's not all to the same offices and same roles. But you've called every one of us. Oh God, I pray that you would awaken afresh and anew in us a passion to be the disciples you've called us to be. To not just be the best disciple we can be with our lives on cruise control, but to find out what, what kind of disciple of you can I truly become if I deny myself, I take up my cross, and I follow you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hikaramando robo satarabaki alalabahaya. Hayaramando robo satalabahaya. We heard Sunday night, God's gonna make a way, but God's gonna make that way through people. God's gonna make that way through individuals. You think God's gonna make that way through individuals that are just casually strolling along their pathway of pursuing their purpose and their ministry? I don't think so. The ones God's going to make a way through are the ones like Paul. I'm going to apprehend what I was apprehended for. I'm going to pursue what I've been pursued for. Lord, I know who you are now, so what? What do you want me to do what wilt thou have me to do I pray God for every person in this room that that is an unanswered question for them that you would not let them be satisfied until you have given them an answer of what it is you would have them to do of how it is you would have them to contribute in your kingdom In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God.